Welcome to the Brain Trust Driving Change Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Bloomfield. Whether you're a leader, a coach, a salesperson, or even a parent, this podcast focuses on how to leverage the science of decision-making to help you become a more impactful communicator and a driving force for change. I want you to think of the last conversation you had with possibly a, a wife, a husband, a friend, a significant other, a neighbor, where you just knew they were wrong. You knew that their entire premise of their argument was not built on reality. It was built on something else <laughs> that wasn't reality. Well, in the first podcast episode, we talked about the neuroscience of decision-making, and we talked about how the brain processes information in order to make decisions. In this episode, we're going to go a little bit deeper, and we're going to talk about what we call the six cognitive biases that can be impacting your success as a communicator, as an influencer. Now, these cognitive biases are just what they sound like. They're, they're neuro-subconscious biases that we have, and whether it's based on our past experiences, we create these benchmarks of memories, and we, we tap into those when we're in a discussion, when we're in an argument, when we're trying to make a decision, and we don't even realize we're tapping into them. Now, these biases, again, are subconscious, but they're formed from a lifetime of experiences. And it could be from our childhood. It could be from uh, parents, from, from, from neighbors, relatives. It could be from society. It could be from coaches. All of our life's experiences build up to this series of what we call junk in the brain trunk that we have deep in our, in our memory bank, in our limbic system, that influences how we make decisions and how we perceive information in the moment. So I'm going to talk through these six, and then I'm going to explain why they're so important for us to understand as professional communicators. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is the risk of loss effect. Now, I don't know if you were aware of this or not, but the human brain is processing information and will do so to make a decision at twice the urgency when it's trying to avoid a loss as when it's pursuing a gain makes perfect sense, right? You remember in the first episode, we talked about the self-preservation part of our brain and how even back to caveman days, we are predisposed to avoid risk. In fact, I would argue that the brain perceives everything around it initially as a threat until it can actually process that information fast enough to determine that it's not a threat. That's how we've survived for so long. And that's actually how we survive in a sales conversation if you're a customer. So just know that our brains will make a decision at twice the urgency when we're avoiding a loss as when we're pursuing a gain. And if you've, if you've never read the book, Thinking Fast and Slow, uh, Daniel Kahneman and Amos Traversky unpack this in what they call the prospect theory. It's very fascinating. They went through thousands of, 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 of research points, of data points, interviewing people to find out that they truly do put twice the urgency to avoid a loss as to pursuing a gain. Now, why is this so important as a, as a sales and marketing professional? Well, if you think about how we message our customers, 99% of all the clients that we engage with, we look at their sales and marketing message and guess how it's presented. You got it. Gain, 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 gain. Look how great we are. Look at what people say about us. Look at all of our features. Look at all of our benefits. The problem is that the brain that's receiving the gain message will just cap it off at a certain point. And no matter how many other great attributes that you profess, it will never give you any more credit. However, 
when I can start to communicate what they stand to lose if they don't change, but do so not in a fear-mongering way, but do so using visual storytelling techniques, which we will get into in a later podcast, I can start to position the customer's current status quo as risky. And if I can position their current status quo as riskier than what they're currently doing, the brain automatically sends up a red flag and says, oh, we should probably look at this because I fear there could be something negative happen if I don't value this information this person's giving us enough to change. So that's cognitive bias one, the risk of loss effect, a powerful, powerful tool in our arsenal as a professional communicator. Cognitive bias number two is the anchor effect. Now, the anchor effect, you certainly have been exposed to it if you've never heard of it before. So the brain associates value uh, relative to contrast between two points. Now, if an easy example of this is if you've ever shopped at some place like Kohl's or Walmart, what you'll find is that you go to Kohl's and there's a great sport coat or a dress or a blazer, and you'll see that it's marked down from not $399, but only $49.95. Wow, what a bargain. Well, what Kohl's has done there is they've set an anchor in your mind of what they want you to believe the value is, which is $399. But then they showed you all that value, the contrast between $399 and $49.95. Now, this doesn't just happen in pricing. This happens in everything that we perceive. We either set the anchor point for our customers or they will set the anchor point in their mind themselves. And the anchor point can be anything from price to whether I like you as a salesperson or not, to what my past experiences are with other salespeople. We have anchor points set based, again, on our past experiences, both positively and negatively. Now, as a sales professional, if I can't communicate enough contrast between what you currently believe, what you currently have set as your anchor point, and what I need you to do differently, if there's no contrast there, you'll perceive everything I'm saying as white noise, and it'll be at best a commodity, which is not a good thing. And at worst, so much just white noise that I won't even care and I'll move on. So the anchor point is is tremendously impactful in how we position the value of what it is that we're trying to sell. The third cognitive bias that's important is confirmation bias. Now, we are exposed to this almost on a 24-7 news cycle today because of how much access we have to information through social media. And you can use politics as an easy example here. It really doesn't matter if you are a hardcore Democrat and you're having a conversation with a hardcore Republican, facts are irrelevant. (laughs) And you probably know exactly what I mean. Whichever side of your opinion you're on in the political realm, you cannot convince someone who's on the other side that you're right. Because they have already predetermined in their mind that everything coming out of your mouth is wrong. Confirmation bias is a type of cognitive bias that represents an error of inductive inference toward the confirmation of what we believe to be true about what we're actually setting out to talk about. So in psychology and cognitive sciences, this confirmation bias or confirmatory bias is when a person has a tendency to search for or interpret information in a way that only confirms their preconceptions. And this can lead to significant potential errors. So in essence, confirmation bias is when we ignore relevant information that doesn't support our belief, and we only seek out information that proves that we're right. Husbands, can I get an amen? 
because we do this a lot out there, don't we? For most, the cognitive bias can be extremely powerful, and it can prevent us from learning new things or empathetically hearing another person's point of view. Now, obviously, in our culture today, this is tremendously impacting us negatively at hearing uh, each other's opinions and sides. It's causing all kinds of problems. But in the customer conversation, confirmation bias can also rear its ugly head in a couple fronts. One is you, as the communicator, have confirmation bias. You may already believe certain things about what your customer is doing, whether they're using a product that you feel is inferior or whether you believe your product is the best because of X, Y, and Z. And you won't even listen to what your customer's experience is in order to hear what they're actually saying. On the customer side of that conversation, they might have a set of confirmation biases towards you as a salesperson. They've been burned before. Or they have already stereotyped all salespeople to be someone who's in there for a win-lose scenario. So they've already labeled you as such. You already fit the stereotype because you have the title of salesperson. So they're already determining that everything out of your mouth is a lie. Now, that's not always true. I'm just giving you an example of how our customers have confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is a powerful, powerful subconscious cognitive bias. And we have to communicate and message in a way that actually builds trust, which we'll get into in a deeper level in a future podcast. Now, cognitive bias number four, availability heuristic. So this sounds a little silly, but availability heuristic is a cognitive bias in which a decision maker relies upon knowledge that's just readily available rather than examining other alternatives or other potential procedures. Now, this term was coined in 1973 by the same guys that we talked about in the risk of loss effect with the prospect theory, Amos Traversky and Daniel Kahneman. They suggested that the availability heuristic occurs unconsciously and operates under the principle that if you can think of it, it must be important. Things that come to mind more easily are believed to be far more common and also more accurate reflections of the real world. Is this true? No, (laughs) not necessarily. But because our brains are trying to conserve energy and they're trying to parse information down into its simplest form, if it popped into your mind, then you think it's important. So this is really important to understand that customers will use their experiences. And if you think about their schedule, you have a meeting with a customer and it's chock full, their day's chock full of meetings and you're the fourth salesperson that they have to meet with. They're trying to simplify everything in their mind. So whatever information pops into their mind the quickest, they will take that and they will run with it as truth, even if it's not. And it will help drive some of their decision making, which then will trigger their confirmation bias, which then puts you back again into the seat of trying to convince them that they're wrong, which none of this works. Now, I know this is nerd city for a lot of you out there, but it's so important for us to at least recognize what's happening from a cognitive standpoint in our customers' minds so that when we get into future podcasts where we start to build out tools and ways to communicate with our customers more effectively, we can use these cognitive biases to our advantage as opposed to getting sunk in a sales call with them. Now, let me give you a couple of examples of availability heuristic that you might relate to. Let's say you saw a television program on shark attacks. You start to think that these instances are really starting to become pretty commonplace because I hear it all the time now on the news. The West Coast, the East Coast, there's sharks eating people everywhere. (laughs) So then what happens? You go to the beach, you go on vacation, and you say, I'm not getting in the ocean. 
You refuse to swim because you believe that the probability of you getting eaten by a shark is way too high. And this happens over and over and over again simply by what's available to us at a superficial level that may or may not be true. Okay, cognitive bias number five is the choice supportive bias. And this is, and I'll just uh, work through this one fairly quickly. It's a tendency to, in hindsight, ascribe positive attributes to a choice that you've already selected. So, so for example, if a person buys a computer from Apple or a phone from Apple or an iPad from Apple instead of a computer running on Windows, he or she is likely to ignore or downplay any of the faults of Apple computers and then amplify those faults of a Windows-based computer, which is true, by the way. (laughs) See, I've already drank the Apple Kool-Aid. So conversely, he or she's also likely to notice and amplify all the advantages of Apple and then not notice or de-emphasize the fact that someone's battery won't charge. <laughs> okay, see, I've already broken through the choice supportive bias, all you Apple fans out there. And, and why, why is this so important? Because what is remembered about a decision can be as important as the decision itself, especially in determining how much regret or satisfaction that we experience. Research indicates that the process of making and remembering choices actually yields memories that tend to be distorted in predictable ways. So in cognitive science, one predictable way that memories of choice options are distorted is that positive aspects tend to be remembered as part of the chosen option, where the negative aspects tend to be pushed aside and and forgotten about. Well, so what again? Why does this even matter? Well, think of your customer interactions. If you're trying to get a customer to change from one product or solution to yours, you're likely going to be fighting this cognitive bias. You see, they've already gone through the rigorous process once before and made a choice or selected a a solution. Therefore, they're subconsciously, biologically predisposed to defend their choice. See, that's the choice supportive bias. In fact, the more you try to convince them that your product is better using facts and data that we talked about earlier than the one they previously chose, the more they're going to dig in their heels and try to defend their choice. We all want to be perceived as smart. We believe that we make smart choices. And when you're telling me that I made a dumb choice, even though you're not saying that, that's how I perceive it, I will push back hard. So just understand what that is and why it matters. Finally, cognitive bias number six, the bandwagon effect. Hello, Patriot fans out there across America that are in the Super Bowl this year again. Bandwagon effect biases is a form of groupthink. It's a cognitive bias that makes us believe something because other people believe it. It can make us think something that is achievable is impossible because others have tried and failed before us. It can also make us think that there's only one way to tackle a problem because, well, that's the way it's always been done. The bandwagon effect is a phenomenon whereby the rate of uptake of our beliefs and our ideas or fads and trends, they increase the more that they've already been adopted by others. So in other words, the bandwagon effect is really characterized by the probability of people adopting and the increase of adoption with respect to the number of people who have already done so. It's really that simple. The more people who come to believe something, the more people will actually hop on the bandwagon and believe that as well. Now, where does this come into play from a sales and marketing standpoint? Well, if you have a great product or solution and your customers rave about it, what would you like them to do? 
Of course, you would like them to share that experience as many times, as often, (laughs) and with as many of their friends as possible, because then that will help hopefully induce the bandwagon effect. And that's what we'd like to see from all of our customers is to share their great successes with us. So in summary, these are six cognitive biases in the sales conversation that will either help you convince a customer to change or can hurt or hinder you in the way that you communicate. And in future podcast episodes, we'll dive into how to take these and build them into your messaging so that you can have more influence with your customers. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transform, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.